BridgeBank helps breakthrough ideas actually break through and remains dedicated to providing financial solutions to the risk takers, the game changers, and the disruptors. BridgeBank, a division of Western Alliance Bank. BridgeBank, be bold, venture wisely. Hi there, I'm Randad Fattah from ThruLine. If you're listening to this podcast, you know that KQED produces exceptional storytelling that keeps you informed, inspired, and entertained. Their podcasts cover issues from your neighborhood to the entire country and everything in between. Support this work today. You can help us continue to bring quality podcasts to your ears. Just head to donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. From KQED. Good morning. This is the California Report. I'm Saul Gonzalez in Los Angeles. Although the fight is nowhere near over, firefighters, aided by improved weather conditions, are making some progress in containing the enormous wildfires burning in a ring around the Bay Area. But the toll has been immense. Governor Gavin Newsom reports 1.2 million acres have burned and at least 1,200 homes and other structures have been destroyed or damaged. Seven people have also died because of the blazes. The governor says help has arrived from other states and more firefighters and resources are on the way. And let us just extend uh, a expression of appreciation uh, to the 10 plus thousand, 14,000 now firefighters that are on the front lines battling these fires. Newsom also thanked President Trump for approving a major disaster declaration. The governor says it will mean more resources and financial support for people who've lost their homes in recent days. All kinds of different people are fighting these blazes. Near the LNU Lightning Complex fire, KQD's Kevin Stark met one dozer for hire who will cut your fire break and then serve you breakfast. The Cowpo Cafe is about the only place to get a bite to eat now in Middletown, on the western flank of the second largest wildfire in state history. So we're feeding about 60, 70 people a day here. Jack Lair has been a cafe owner for just a few months, but his bulldozer crews have years of experience. They worked the Camp Fire, the Tubbs Fire, and now the LNU Lightning Complex Fire. Kind of brutal because it's just so intense. You know, we're we're fortunate we're getting cold air in the night. The fire lays down and doesn't do much damage. The Fire people can get out there and fight the fire best at night simply because of the, um, the fire is under control. And then during the day, it just flares right back up and it's out of control. It's hard to predict the weather right now in this part of the world, but Lair and his employees, the bulldozers and the line cooks, know what the rest of their week looks like. For the California Report, I'm Kevin Stark. Californians who vote by mail have confidence in the system, according to a new survey from the Berkeley Institute of Governmental Studies. KQED politics reporter Guy Marzarati has more. California is expanding its use of vote by mail by sending every voter a ballot. And the poll finds voters who already vote by mail are more trustful of the process. But California counties are struggling to find enough voting locations and poll workers for in-person voting. And the poll shows 52 percent of Latino voters say it's important to have in-person assistance when they vote, compared to just 35 percent of white voters. For the California Report, I'm Guy Marzarati. Let's turn to a choice facing Californians. 
In the coming election, voters will decide whether to undo Proposition 209, a landmark ban on affirmative action passed by California voters in 1996. Prop 209 prohibited public agencies in the state from considering race, color, and ethnicity in hiring, contracting, and admissions to public universities. So, what happened? A new report out is the most detailed analysis yet of how Proposition 209 affected people of color trying to get into the UC system. I talked to the study's author, Zach Bleemer, who's with UC Berkeley's Center for Studies in Higher Education. So, affirmative action provided very large admissions advantages to nearly all Black and Hispanic applicants to nearly all University of California campuses. So, you see this massive decline in the likelihood of admission for all Black or Hispanic students at all of these campuses. And that translates into a decline in enrollment at these campuses for many Black and Hispanic applicants. So on average, uh, Black and Hispanic applicants to UC Berkeley became about 25 percentage points less likely to be admitted at Berkeley. There's a decline in likelihood of admission at UCLA by 16 percentage points, a decline at San Diego by 19 percentage points. These are really large uh, changes. You know, at Berkeley, one in four Black or Hispanic students who previously would have been admitted to that university are no longer being admitted as a result of Prop 209. So what happened to students of color who did attend public universities after the passage of Prop 209 and went on to live their lives afterwards? They were on average less likely to earn a college degree. They were less likely to earn degrees in science, technology, engineering, and math, STEM fields that are often seen as very lucrative degrees. They became less likely to ever earn a graduate degree, especially in those STEM fields. And if you follow them into the California labor market, on average, they had lower earnings by about five percentage points every year from age 24 to 34 when the study ends. You know, we're talking about 25 years after California voters approved a ban on affirmative action through Prop 209. And in this coming election, they'll be voting on whether to restore affirmative action through another ballot initiative. So how do you want your study to be consumed at this moment in time? Many people believe that uh, that affirmative action does not benefit the Black, Hispanic, and Native American students who are targeted by affirmative action after they apply to selective universities. The goal of my study was just to try to answer that question head-on in the California context. When California had affirmative action in the mid-1990s, did it benefit the students that it targeted? And the conclusion of this study is yes, it provided very substantial benefits to those targeted students, and those benefits were lost after Proposition 209 when affirmative action disappeared, and they lost access to some degree to California's public research universities. Okay, Zach Beamer of the UC Berkeley Center for Studies in Higher Education, thanks for talking to us. Thank you. As it grapples with its old nemesis fire, the state is also dealing with the joblessness crisis caused by the coronavirus pandemic. And the state's embattled Employment Development Department, the agency which sends out unemployment checks to people, is under scrutiny yet again this week for poor customer service. The California Report's Mary Franklin Harvin has the details. At an assembly hearing on Monday, EDD's director, Sharon Hilliard, told lawmakers the agency's representatives can't answer 60 percent of the calls they get. But that's actually an improvement from earlier in the pandemic when EDD reps were only answering 2 percent of the 14 million calls they were receiving. Now they get about half that many. 
Hilliard, who only came into her role this past February after serving seven years as EDD's chief deputy director, said the agency was compromised from the start because of its funding structure, which is tied to unemployment rates. The U.S. had record low unemployment leading up to the pandemic, and Hilliard said with that came record lows in EDD staffing. The agency is working to up efficiency with a new strike force established by Governor Newsom. But lawmakers aren't satisfied and say the Great Recession, just over a decade ago, should have been a big enough wake-up call for EDD. For The California Report, I'm Mary Franklin Harvin. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR. Hey, it's Avery Truffleman, host of Articles of Interest. And I've got to say, I've been a fan of KQED ever since I was a little kid, and I would come out to San Francisco to visit my grandma. It was just what we'd always turn on every time we got in the car, every time we were making dinner and turning on the radio. It was always KQED. And then over the years, I've become a massive fan of KQED podcasts because this is local reporting at its best. These are answers to questions you've always wanted to know, interviews with exciting, unusual voices, necessary journalism, all told with love and care and artistry. And did you know that a majority of KQED's funding actually comes from members? It's just people like you and me supporting the programs they love while also getting access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. If you want to sign up and be a part of this amazing community, visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to become a member today. That's podcasts with an S. Thank you for listening, and thank you for your support. In related news, the state announced jobless Californians will be able to get an additional $300 a week in unemployment payments. That's because the state has agreed to participate in a program created through an executive order signed by President Trump. Let's turn to education and the pandemic. Despite public health warnings about the coronavirus, a private Christian school in Fresno County has started in-person classroom instruction. That's prompted the county to file an injunction against the school, but now a county supervisor is speaking out in support of the campus. Valley Public Radio's Laura Satsui reports. Supervisor Steve Brandau held a press conference Monday afternoon to oppose the lawsuit against Emanuel Schools, which serves kindergarten through 12th grade students in Reedley. And it isn't because Emanuel is a private school, a Christian school, or anything of the sort. I feel the same way about any school, private or public. Brandau quoted a joint statement from organizations representing pediatricians and educators saying in-person school supports children's development, but he didn't read the part that called on public health agencies to make the best decision for their community. The injunction, filed Friday, says Emanuel isn't providing appropriate masking or social distancing, posing a serious health threat to faculty, students, and the city. Brandau admitted Reedley is a COVID-19 hotspot and says the county has gone to great lengths to address it. So we are protecting, you know, our farm labors and our ag labors across the county. And so hopefully we'll be able to douse that hotspot with these resources. Emanuel Schools declined to comment for this story. For The California Report, I'm Laura Satsui in Fresno. 
The closer we get to the election, the hotter the debate over mail-in voting gets. Californians who vote by mail have confidence in the system, according to a new survey from the Berkeley Institute of Governmental Studies. KQED politics reporter Guy Marzarati has more. California is expanding its use of vote by mail by sending every voter a ballot. And the poll finds voters who already vote by mail are more trustful of the process. But California counties are struggling to find enough voting locations and poll workers for in-person voting. And the poll shows 52 percent of Latino voters say it's important to have in-person assistance when they vote, compared to just 35 percent of white voters. For the California Report, I'm Guy Marzarati. On Capitol Hill, Democratic Congresswoman Katie Porter from Orange County grilled U.S. Postmaster General Louis DeJoy yesterday. Within a million or so, can you tell me how many people voted by mail in the last presidential election? No, I cannot. To the nearest 10 million? <laughs> I will Is be, that a I, no, Mr. DeJoy? I would be guessing, and I don't want to guess. Meantime, Californians who fear President Trump is trying to sabotage vote-by-mail efforts by undermining the Postal Service vow to continue protest at post offices across the state. Many are scheduled later this morning in Los Angeles. At one demonstration in L.A.'s Los Feliz neighborhood over the weekend, I talked to Claire Woolner about her worries. So I want everyone to be able to mail in their vote. I want it to not be a worry. I want people to not worry about missing the deadline. That's what I want. I want people to not be worried about their vote being heard. And I most importantly actually want people to know that their vote matters. And how are you going to vote yourself? Um, I'm going to go to the polling station. Oh. Yeah. Oh, so you're not going to vote by mail. No, I'm going to go to the polling station and I'm going to offer to harvest ballots for people. Because that's something that we can do in California. That's Claire Woolner. Her mention of harvesting ballots is another flashpoint in the election. Also called ballot collection, it's the practice of people picking up someone else's signed and sealed ballot and delivering it to a post office or voter drop-off box. Starting with the 2018 election, California law permits ballot collection. Republicans generally don't like the idea. And that is the California Report for Tuesday, August 25th, a production of KQED Public Radio. Remember, you can listen to our California Report podcast. Get it wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saul Gonzalez in Los Angeles. Have a great day. Support for the California Report comes from Eric and Wendy Schmidt, whose philanthropy harnesses the power of people and science to create innovative solutions for a healthy environment, just societies, and opportunities for human achievement. Personal Capital, offering remote telefinance services with financial advisors and digital financial planning tools, personalcapital.com. And Water Heaters Only, specializing in the repair and replacement of water heaters since 1968, licensed and insured, Open 24 hours a day, every day. Learn more at waterheatersonly.com. Do you love learning about the San Francisco Bay Area? Its history, its people, its unique blend of cultures? Then you should check out The Bay Curious Book. I'm Katrina Schwartz, editor and producer on The Bay Curious Podcast, and I'm here to let you know that for the month of May, we've worked out a sweet deal for KQED podcast listeners. Right now, you can get the Bay Curious ebook for $1.99. That's right, $1.99. Just search for Bay Curious wherever you get your ebooks or find a link in our show notes. This offer does expire at the end of the month, though, so you'll want to act on it fast. Happy reading!
Hey, it's Glenn Washington from Snap Judgment. And if you love what you're hearing, and I know you love what you're hearing, please consider becoming a KQED member. You get special access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. Plus, you'll sleep better at night knowing you did your part for the community you depend upon. It's in you. Please be in it. Visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to sign up now. That's podcast with an S. Thanks. Hi, I'm Sasha Coca, host of the California Report magazine. Every week, we bring you stories about what connects us in the giant, diverse Golden State. Because what happens in California changes the world. I love this place. We were once seen as, like, the place to be California. The land of milk and honey. That's where you go to Sunshine State. But we just have challenges right now. KQED's California Report magazine. New episodes drop every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts.